How can you develop a mindset that takes you beyond knowing what to do, but actually doing to create in your life? I'm your host, George Nagel, and today we get to talk to someone that understands the importance of goal setting to keep a self-sustaining motivation to accomplishment. Let's get started. When you hear that our guest has run 10 marathons in 10 consecutive days and done two 100-mile, 24-hour marathons, you might be excused for not thinking of a person in their mid-40s with an automotive engineering master's degree. However, George Anderson, after his formal education, discovered that his passion for fitness and well-being carries into all aspects of life, especially accomplishment. George is a goal-setting expert that understands that to set goals, you need to have a thriving mindset. And to do that, you need to have an action-oriented outlook focused on reinvigorating motivation through accomplishment. He delivers a method that brings sustainability by removing elements of self-induced stress. His energy and excitement bring an infection that is just remarkable for clients because they can see very quickly that they can do anything. And that doing of anything isn't some future dream. It is immediate and in the tangible future. He's also an inventor of the Boost Wellbeing and Performance app. It is a perfect example of his creativity to bring the baseline of physical fitness into the extended basis of accomplishment. It empowers those that know what to do, but just can't seem to find that motivation to do it. Let's welcome my fellow George to the program. George Anderson, welcome. Hey, George. Thanks for the intro. And yeah, delighted to be here joining you on the podcast today. Oh, uh, it, it is absolute my, absolutely my pleasure um, because you you set a standard for me because uh, we're, we're about the same age um, to really continue to reach on those fitness goals. Um, but, you know, that's that's really paramount to what we're, we're going to talk about today with, you know, goal setting and, and accomplishment. But I think people might be curious, help us understand how you transition from that engineering mindset in, in your education to becoming a fitness guru that blends in accomplishment and goal setting. I almost fell into my engineering degree. It was through default rather than design. I think mm-hmm. let's put it that way. And I think that so many kids find that this happens not necessarily with engineering but you you sort of get tracked through your formal education because of what you may be good at not necessarily what you want to do what you're interested in and certainly what you have aspirations to do in the future unless you're one of these people who knows i want to be a doctor or i want to be an astronaut and, and everything is geared to that and that certainly wasn't me so i was maths and physics they were my subjects that i i genuinely actually did enjoy them I never really considered that they might be something that I would do as a profession, but what came to my A-levels, they were the choices and that were kind of the final qualifications in school, sort of 18, 19. And then when it came to university, well, what do you do with maths and physics qualifications? What do you go and study engineering? And cars, well, they're pretty cool. I mean, I couldn't drive, but still cars, cars are cool. I'll go and do an automotive engineering degree. And actually, I can remember going through the what we have in the UK is called the UCAS handbook, which is kind of university and colleges um, admission services. And, and you, you go through it and you look at all the courses, all of the universities, 
because I was quite good at maths and physics. I was looking for what are the top courses? What are the hardest courses? What are the longest courses? If I want to drag this thing out. And I found one that was five years long, <laughs> um, which uh, included a year in industry, a year in the middle where you had to go and work professionally. Then you came back and finished off the two years for the master's. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do that then. And it was during that year out that I realized that actually, yeah, I'm enjoying the, the study. I'm enjoying the degree. I'm enjoying the lifestyle. But this is not going to be a career for me. Hmm. And that was when I realized that I needed to make a, some decisions as to what I was going to do instead, or at least make the decision that that wasn't going to be the way I went with this. So I went back to university, finished those last two years during that time i i i studied for and qualified as a personal trainer or as a gym instructor and i started working part-time in the local gym the local leisure center and and that's where i really realized that maybe maybe this is where i want to be maybe this is the the path that i want to take when i do finally uh graduate I knew that it was something in the the fitness space something that enabled me to share the passion that I had. So yeah, just using that word passion there tells me that it was probably a feeling that I had, I wanted to to do, to, it, it did make me happy. I enjoyed doing it myself. And I wanted to share some of that with other people in my life as well. As you progress through that, that sharing and getting other people um, motivated, is that where you discovered some of that correlation that you can get from physical fitness into goal setting? Yeah, I think I think with physical fitness, it's quite an obvious area to set goals in. A lot of the work that I did, certainly in the early years, was around running, uh, not just with my own running, but working with a lot of other clients and uh, who, who wanted to get into running well. And of course, you know, you set yourself a goal. I want to be able to run for an hour. I want to be able to run a marathon. I want to be able to run a 10K or I want to do it in this time or that time. Uh, and so you, you start looking at setting goals it just becomes completely normal like why wouldn't you set a goal even with weight loss uh, i want to lose a stone in the next six weeks the next eight weeks okay so there's, there's your goal and it goes very smart driven i want to be specific and measurable and all the rest of it and i think one of the things that i noticed after maybe two or three possibly four years of doing this wasn't so much the correlation between fitness and goal setting but the correlation between physical fitness and and performance in other areas of life and actually how those goals now you might set a goal I want to get better at running but actually that the real benefit came in your resilience or in your motivation in work or your energy levels uh, and, and so that's where i discovered that that really really um tight correlation between how you take care of yourself physically through how you nourish your body how you energize your body through movement how you restore your body through sleep and and the impact that that has on how you feel and how you perform. And that's more immediate, right? You want to train for a marathon, that could take you six months, four months minimum to train for a, for a marathon. And uh, you have to wait until you, you know, you see those that progression, but you have to wait for those four to six months. Whereas you get a good night's sleep, you do some exercise, you, you have a good lunch, a good nutritious lunch, and you get the benefits now. You don't have to wait four months. You get to feel the energy, to feel that that uplift in, in motivation and focus and clarity of thought and creativity and decision-making. You get to experience and enjoy that right now. And, and I think that was really exciting to me when I started to notice that that this was being played out, not just in my, but in what I was hearing back from the clients that I was working with. 
uh, was was probably a turning point for me over a period of a couple of three years where I realized that there's probably something more expansive here than just focusing on physical well-being and, and turning it into more of a performance aspect. When we look at how people can progress, right, and how they can sustain motivation, I talk about all the time, the first thing to do is to take action. And then mm. you're going to gain some experience, and then you're going to gain some self-belief, and then you'll get into competency. And when you have competency, you'll find the courage to conquer the fear because you'll have that motivation. Um, what you're describing is starting that cycle in a very abbreviated way to make sure people stay on the cycle, right? Yeah. I mean, I think when you get to a point where you've you've got some track record and you know that well, what I'm doing is working, I'm seeing results, I'm feeling good, then it's easier than as long as you maintain that coupling, that togetherness of the what you're doing and why you're doing it benefits, then it's easier to maintain the motivation because it's it's not something that's out there in the future. And certainly when you have a, you know, a longer span of time between what you're doing and when you're anticipating seeing those results, the, the, the what you're going to get from that, because there's this time gap in between, it, it sort of drops down the significance of those results. It drops down the, the, the motivation that you might feel. Whereas when you can couple together, like you're going to do this thing, this simple process of exercising or getting up and taking a break and going for a walk, or getting a healthy meal in or getting switching off your phone at 9 p.m. instead of scrolling through TikTok and Instagram till the moment you go to sleep, you make those choices, you're actually going to benefit from that right away. Then it, that's more motivating. But I think for a lot of people, there's especially, certainly coming from the fitness industry, there's sometimes a real push to do it all, to be perfect. Like I've got to, right, my goodness, I'm overweight. I need to get in shape. I'm going to go on this diet i'm going to start training for a marathon i've never run before i'm going to start training for a marathon uh, and you may stick to that for a short time but you don't get enough momentum going for it to build into habits because it, it's just too much it's overwhelming uh, and that all or nothing cycle that we've all heard about we've probably all experienced really is it's not all or nothing it's all then nothing like it's a given if you go all in it's going to turn into then nothing <laughs> and then frustration and then all in and then nothing and then all and that's the cycle. And uh, whereas if we can take more of a progress, not perfection approach, where we're just, well, what's what what can I do that's going to move me forwards? What's going to be a bit better? Uh, as long as it's something that's going to yield some kind of result that you'll be satisfied with, it may not be the most amazing results, but something that's going to make you feel better and move you towards what you want to achieve ultimately, then that's more sustainable. And that's where you build this foundation of belief. You build this foundation of uh, momentum that you then build on as you go forwards, which is, I think, what you described there. You know, it self-perpetuates at that point there because you built this cycle. How would you describe that for people? Where do you find the best starting place? Is it a little bit more broad or is it really getting into something focused? I, actually, I, I'd say that, um, well, two things. First of all, usually at the beginning of a process, it's the beginning of a, a change cycle. You, you're just like, right, I'm going to achieve this goal. That's what I want to do. Um, the first phase is to build habit, build the routines, build the structure. I remember when I trained for an Ironman a few years ago, and I just come off the back of running one of those 24-hour, 100-mile, I could run, right? I could literally run around in circles all day long, which is bonkers, really. When you think about it, it's the definition of madness, right? But I, I, I could do that, so I knew I had that. And here I was going to pay for this Ironman, but I couldn't swim. 
or I could swim. I could swim two lengths of a standard pool, so 50 meters. Uh, and, and before I had to stop, cough up a lung, and then go again. So that was going to be the thing that I needed to really, really work on. And I was quite concerned or anxious about it because uh, you know, I was excited about it, but I, I'd never been to the local pool. And I'd never, I didn't even know if you needed a coin for the lookers or how it worked. So there's all these kind of this this mystery around around what to do. And you know, goodness, I didn't know how to get better at swimming, but I knew that eventually I'd get figured out. But the first thing I had to do was to just get into that habit of doing it. So I told myself, right, George, what you got to do for the first two or three weeks is go to the pool three times a week and just get wet. Right. That's all I had to do. Just go and get wet. Of course, I splashed around and did a few few lengths uh, pretty badly when I was there. But I didn't have any, like, it doesn't matter how many lengths I do. doesn't matter how fast I do them. doesn't matter if I do drills or not. I, I just got to go to the pool. And the minimum is that I've gone. Because I knew that once I built up that habit, I'd be able to build on that. Uh, rather than, right, I'm going to go to the pool and I've got to do 30 lengths. And I've got to do these drills. I've got to do that. Overwhelm. And maybe I'd never have started that. So that's, so that's the first thing. I think start off with, like your guys in the gym, leg press, the bench press, the glutes. The, it may not be the most effective approach to to achieving a goal, but it, maybe that's the beginnings, unless you're still seeing the exact same routine with the exact same, it's like a year later, and you think, okay, well, maybe we could tighten that up a little bit. <laughs> but but I think just getting going is the first step for most and building that habit. But but second to that, George, I, th- I think, a lot of the time, again, with fitness or with meditation, sometimes it's the, it is about the process. It's not about doing this so that I then get better at meditating. So I then get, I can do five minutes instead of one minute in the cold shower so that I can run 10K instead of 5K. It's not always about that. Sometimes the going to the gym, the running, the meditation, um, whatever the habit might be, it could be because this is what gives me the energy to then perform at my best in in somewhere some other lines so the goal actually isn't lead, the goal in let's say the fitness to use your example isn't to get me to a fitness goal the goal with the fitness is to do that routine that enables me to perform at my best during the day and i think the two things are very different and sure if you have a fitness goal then you want to be quite it's not about not having a goal it's about not having a plan to get there but but actually just going for a walk doing a, a, a routine in the gym that's going to give you more energy, give you more focus, give you more motivation, give you more resilience, uh, give you that sort of sense of vitality. It's going to enable you to accomplish more of your other goals. Then, sure, go ahead, bump from leg press to bench press to glute, and, and it, it doesn't matter because you're doing what you need. It's going to give you this vitality to achieve those other goals in the other areas of your life. See if I can pull something that I I took away out of what you just said. That there is a absolute mental health that comes from the just doing to get into that habit. And when we bring in the fitness side of it, it gives us a extra boost in energy. Uh, but the, the goal, right, of just the doing is that forming of that mental habit that transfers in this case, when we're talking about fitness into a physical habit as well. Absolutely. So, so the goal might, might be to get toned to, to lose weight in which case you need a plan that's going to get you there but a lot of the time and uh, certainly my experience through uh, the lockdowns was exercise suddenly shifted i wasn't training at the time i was training for a, a 12-hour treadmill ultra marathon 
that was the goal and I was working towards that. And not all my training was geared towards that, but a lot of it was. And uh, and then when lockdown happened, I didn't have access to a gym with a treadmill. So I had to kind of switch gears a little. And But I realized as well that I didn't, I didn't just need a goal as something to move towards. Exercise then became something that was, this is what I need to do just for my own kind of mental health, my own motivation, my own resilience. And, and actually, I, I just dropped back with how hard I was pushing myself. And I started working out and maybe a little bit easier. And I was going for more variety and just enjoying what I was doing. So every workout I did, uh, just 30, 35, 40 minutes maybe, uh, I just really enjoyed doing them. I looked forward to them because I knew that I wasn't going to be destroying myself and um, pushing myself as hard as I possibly could. And and so then it very much became for me something that would enable me to do what I needed to do in the parts of my, my day and other parts of my life. So yeah, absolutely. I, I agree that there's, there's the mental health aspect. There's the there's the mental strength aspect that you get from that. And it's not just exercise here. You know, I know we're, we're talking about training and fitness here, but there, there's other areas. Let's take meditation. Like you could say, well, I want to get really good at meditating. I want to get better at meditating. I want to I want to be able to do it in an hour, and that might that's a valid goal for some people. That's brilliant, but actually, meditation for most people, the goal isn't to get better. The goal is to do it. And be consistent with doing it so that it has a knock-on effect to those other areas that sense of calm that ability to focus that ability to just sit with your thoughts and your emotions and not get caught up and carried away with them it's training your ability to to just get better at doing that Uh, and actually if you've meditated in the morning then people might describe themselves as being calmer and more robust later on in the day compared with those days where they didn't do it so the goal isn't out getting better at meditation meditation is one of many things that we do that that give us that sense of performance but just as a side note to that george one of the i think challenges that a lot of people have when it comes to sustainability with they with these habits and let's distinguish between habits and goals here so there's habits of meditation um, cold showers uh, taking breaks, going for walks, eating healthy food, exercising, getting to bed on time, screen time limits—all of those things. The problems arise when we decouple the cause and effect relationship, and all of a sudden they become chores. Oh, God, I haven't got. Oh, I've got to fit in meditation now. Oh my goodness, I, I can't get to the gym today. I'm too busy with my work. And yes, sometimes that might be the case, but then it, if it becomes something that's a pressure to do this then of course you're not going to stick to it then because it's like well what difference does it make you know i'm not getting any better at meditating anyway because now you've forgotten that you're meditating and it's going to give you this this benefit in these other areas of your life as well so we need to keep reminding ourselves of this coupling together of the the cause and effect relationship right you have to have the end in mind right what's what's the purpose Mm. why am i doing this yeah why it's the why how do you you know get clients to the point where they can understand the difference between what I call the creativity, <clears throat> excuse me, which is just the thinking, right? Um, and then the innovating, which is the doing. How, how do you get your, your clients to that space where their thinking and their doing are in sync with each other? Because if they're not, you know, then, then I, that's where I find people kind of fall off that treadmill you were talking about. Yeah, that, that can be incredibly frustrating because I think, I think most people would probably disagree with the, the the admonishing remarks of some 
fitness guru you say well if you're not if you're not doing the hard work if you're not doing what you said you were going to do it's because you don't want it badly enough right which is just complete nonsense like i've never met anybody who wants to lose weight or wants to get fitter who wants to make any changes in their life and actually no i can't really yeah bother done i'm not that fussed about it like when they come to a personal trainer when they come to a coach this is important <laughs> like they want to achieve they want to make changes like and i know what it's like i know what it's how frustrating it can be to to, to, to want and to know what I should be doing, yet I'm not doing it. And so that question is always, as you just position there, how do you bridge the gap between knowing and doing? How do you bridge the gap between creativity and innovation, between thought and action? And I, I think one of the one of the problems, again, that's imminently fixable is when it comes to goals, when it comes to having that purpose and that direction, few people will write down what they want to achieve and why it's important right and we know that hardly anybody does that do that makes a massive difference but then those people who write down their goals they write them down and they squirrel away somewhere in a notebook or a journal and don't look at them again until a month later they think i still haven't got any closer to that goal so part of the how do you bridge the gap between knowing and doing is to stay connected to that purpose, to stay connected to what you're doing, uh, why you want to do it and, and what, what that goal is. And I, I recommend writing down some element of that goal every single day, you know, reconnecting with it on a daily basis. When I write down my my planner for the day, um, not just a to-do list, but like that schedule, when am I going to do these things? And some of them are, you know, they're tasks, they're things that don't, aren't going to light my fire. They're not going to make me think, oh, goody, I can't wait to do that today. Um, but when I've written down my goal at the bottom of that sheet, it's like, that's the reason why I'm doing those things. All of a sudden, those things now have meaning, they have purpose, they have significance. And now I've got the motivation to, to do those things. Uh, so one more final kind of comment on that. It goes back to what we said about when I described that Ironman training, for me, it, the first step was to just get in the pool three times a week and get wet. And that would be what I regard as a, a plus one, right? If you think about uh, how's your diet? Well, it's about three out of 10. Most people will go, well, I need to get to a 10 out of 10. So they go from three to a 10, unsustainable. We just had that conversation. But what's going to get you from a three to a four or a four to a five? What are those plus ones on that one to 10 scale? Because that all of a sudden is like, oh, well, okay, that's, that, that's what i need to do and it, all of a sudden now not just i need to eat more healthily or I need to be more active or i need to get more confidence it's well what what does it look like what does a bit better at eating well what does a bit more active look like well i could i could go for a walk at lunchtime for 15 minutes okay hit plus one what what, what does being more confident look like well I, I could make one phone call this week to somebody i haven't spoken to i could send a message that would that would be a, a, an example of being a bit more confident. Or I could go and ask somebody a question. I put my be the first person to put my hand up in a class or in a conference, and, and that might be an example of being more confident. It's not you're not all of a sudden going to be, you know, Mister or Mrs. Confidence, but it's a step in the right direction and it's something very specific and tangible. You can see did I do it or did I do it? Uh, and it takes that abstract which is often what we have when we have that creativity, that, that thinking space, or I want to be more of this or more of that. And it takes, well, what does it actually look like in reality? What are some examples of that that would just move me in the right direction by one nudge, from a three to a four or a four to a five or a five to a six? 
that I can actually mark, did I do it or did I not do it? That's, I think, one of the other key elements between bridging that gap between knowing and doing creativity and innovation. George, tell us how it's the best way to get a hold of you if people wanted you to to come and help them with goal setting, even for their organization or or on a personal level. What's the best ways to reach you? It's just by georgeanderson.com or on my LinkedIn channel as well. That that's probably the the best place for me for for my um playground if you will is on linkedin where i put a lot of content out so people can get a feel for my approach beyond just this podcast um, i have my own podcast as well a bit of a boost um and uh, and the app but everything's linked through there from the website so that's probably the first place to to tend, send people i want to thank you george fantastic discussion as always um you know i think that you've given people a lot of things that they can take immediate action on and start to form those habits and get some motivation from. Uh, and I know I learned a lot. So thank you very much. Thanks, George. Thanks, Jason.